I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So once you have been in a flight which has run at a certain speed, you won't enjoy your ride if it is at a lower speed. (laughs) So with this background, I would say FinTech also has a very, very huge potential of growth. Welcome back to How to Lend Money to Strangers, the podcast about lending strategies around the world and across the credit lifecycle. I'm your host, Brendan Lagrange, and in 2007, an MBA project of mine won me a trip to San Francisco to pitch at a social entrepreneurship competition that was being held by the University of California, Berkeley. I didn't win, but I did meet Praveen Sina, one of today's guests. I don't think Praveen won either, to be honest, but Judging on his career since then, he probably should have. Praveen went on to be a serial entrepreneur with successes in multiple industries, ranging from online fashion retail to PinCap, his latest venture in finance and the reason we're here today. We have the added pleasure of being joined by the CEO of PinCap, Mr. Amit Pandey. Amit, Praveen and I speak about the state of fintech in India and the state of consumer credit in general looking at how PINCAP is bringing access to credit to small business owners and individuals, both directly and via partners, who may otherwise have been left out of the financial system. I met Praveen. PINCAP, we're going to talk about the business model in detail later on, but maybe if you could both start by introducing yourselves your background that brought you to where you are today, and maybe a little bit of context for PINCAP. Thank you for inviting us, Brendan, and it has been long that we interacted. Uh, so it's a good opportunity at both the levels. Uh, I'll quickly give you my background. So I'm an engineering by qualification. I have worked with automotive company, and I've also worked in a tech company, Microsoft. And I did my MBA and joined McKinsey. However, my long-term Dream was always to start my own and uh, I jumped in with my first venture which was into IoT and uh, AI enabled uh, water management system. So that was my first venture and then uh, I started an e-commerce company which uh, did really well and it became one of the largest uh, fashion e-commerce portal in India. While exiting that business, I was looking for another area that I should work on and that's how PINCAP was formed. And uh, the reason was that India is still developing in terms of credit reach and uh, credit data. So a large corporate can easily get a loan, but a small uh, business, it's very difficult for them to reach out. The second aspect was that if you see globally, factoring or invoice discounting is a larger chunk of working capital funding 
globally, but in India, it was a very, very small percentage. Those were the two areas that we started PinCap with. So we started with a lending to businesses and then we entered into factoring. And we have to take license to enter into this space. And we were successful in getting a factoring license as well. The banking system is regulated by Reserve Bank of India. Now to Amit. Thank you, Brennan. Thank you for inviting both of us. Fortunately, unfortunately, I'm also an engineer. And uh, started with the uh, automotive companies, started with uh, Maruti Suzuki, and then I went to Honda Cars. More of a chemical engineer, so started more with the so-called the painting a car. That's how we started uh, our career. And then I moved from so-called the technical profile to the commercial profile, started with the strategic sourcing to the procurement and supply chain domain. And the first move which has happened from automotive to Indian telecom industry. So I moved from Honda to Airtel and then a startup company, Tikona, based out of Mumbai. After that to Exicom, which is again a power solution company. And last year joined hands with Praveen to scale up the pin cap business. So that's how the journey has been so far. Pretty exciting. A lot of things has happened. And we all used to say that we have got much more than what we could have deserved coming from the you know, smaller towns and locations or family backgrounds. So uh, we also work a lot in terms of giving it back to the society. That's what is our uh, objective that every every business or any, any kind of venture, what we create, uh, it should have the first objective as uh, giving it back to the society and solving some or other problem for the people. Yeah, thanks, Amit. We'll, I think, maybe finish with a little bit more of that. But I think that small business, probably in India more than many countries, it's such an important part of the economy and you know, work to improve that is, you know, as you said, is vital to the country as a whole. And actually, maybe I'm going to start with something a little bit related to that. Certainly, sort of from an outsider's point of view, India always had this reputation of being incredibly bureaucratic. And even through those first few waves of digitalization where the BPO industry was taking off. I was working for a big bank at the time that had an Indian operation and still to roll out a new product involved many steps. You had to go city by city and it was really very complicated. And that was even maybe only 10, 15 years ago. But now it seems like there's really a rapid move towards, I guess we could call it fintech, speeding up all these processes and and smoothing away the bureaucracy. So what is the current state of financial services and how is this move to fintech, this move to digital, shaking up the industry as a whole? So, uh, Brendan, uh, very uh, fair observation. And I also felt a very significant change in terms of the way our country is evolving. It has still not caught up the stage where it is fully without friction. However, what we saw that earlier, uh, most of the approach was towards restriction. Now the approach has changed from restrictions to interaction to ensure enablement. So if you see the kind of transition that is happening, not only in fintech, if you see the, uh, the policies are coming very, very progressive in thinking, much ahead of many other countries. Now coming to fintech space, the approach has been about control. The control still stays because it has to be regulated. 
However, uh, if you see the cryptocurrency, so cryptocurrency was banned earlier, but then people went to the Supreme Court and then they got a relief. So finally, the balance plays out. Now, having said that, both from a business perspective and consumer perspective, lot of changes have happened, which has uh, moved the needle towards more acceptance and more credit dispersal. And in fact, more robust process of how those dispersal happens. So all the fundamental level aspects are being uh, taken care of. However, we have not yet reached the stage where we will say that it has become hassle-free. For example, our contract system compared to, let's say, other parts of the world. And uh, if there is a conflict and if there is a litigation, then it takes slightly longer time and for banking, etc. that creates an issue. However, for nimble fintechs, it is a great experimental playground. For example, there is a pay later. You buy something and pay later. People cannot afford credit card, but you can have this app. Uh, similarly, on uh, business side, there is a factoring uh, or a bill discounting app. Now, government and RBI has enabled invoice uh, uh, trading platform. So, a uh, lot of changes, but uh, stabilization and maturity, I think, will take some more time. Having said that, it is an amazing playground uh, for many, even global fintech companies with their vast knowledge and data. Yeah, it will have some unique uh, situations like in e-commerce, cash on delivery which many countries have not heard of, was the major source of payment here. 90% of the payment used to come through cash. Now it is shifting. Now it is almost 8-10 years and now it is almost 50% or even less if you restrict it. What I'm sharing with you is that from consumer perspective, it has significantly changed. For business perspective, it has changed, but it has not yet stabilized and matured. Maybe the consumer doesn't see, but you've still got a contract, you've still got to go to courts and things. And Amit, I know that you're quite involved as well in, in, in fintech in general, not just with PINCAP. If we look at the, the state of the Indian fintech scene at the moment, what are your thoughts on how we would describe that? I think if you see the overall, I think the ecosystem from industry perspective, the post-COVID situation, a lot of companies are struggling. and The end consumer spending power has gone down a little bit or maybe to a large extent. The entire supply chain from a end customer to the primary organization and then getting back to their entire supplier ecosystems, everybody has gone through some kind of a tight working capital. Well, in a current situation, I think trying to solve the entire ecosystem, lending to all the companies who are having a good uh, capability to scale up their business, uh, I think huge opportunity, uh, you know, especially in a country like India you know, solving the problems of the people, be it as a part of like MBFC and FinTech and all these organizations. Praveen, you've come from the e-commerce world. And in e-commerce, we know that the new challenges are perfectly capable of wiping out the big established names. That's also very driven by customer experience. You know, everybody's out there to provide the best customer experience. Are we seeing customers demand that same level of service in the financial space? Or are Indian consumers still a little bit more forgiving for banks and willing to put up with a bit more than they might in a, an e-commerce interaction? So, Brandon, what I have learned in my limited time here, <laughs> consumers are never forgiving. So, <laughs> feedback has to be taken seriously and to be worked on. Having said that, uh, here you, we can actually segregate. And the reason I say segregate is there are two 
in fact, I would say there are three buckets that I will divide. The first bucket is where you have the consumer has a lot of credit worthiness data, which the conventional bank assesses. So he has very superior power compared to others. If his credit is not exhausted, everyone will be willing to give him loan. Second one is where he or she does not have that credit data, but they have alternative credit data. So example, payment gateway, etc. Purchasing pattern. And there are other footprints that we can measure uh, indirectly where we can have some sense. So they are also in demand, but not the way the first cluster was. And then comes the third cluster where probably they don't even have those financial footprint. So one, they might not have a very advanced smartphone. Or two, even if they have, they don't use it for purchase. They still use cash. So these three clusters have a different uh, demand supply gap. So third, there is a lot of demand, no supply. Second, matching. And first, there is an oversupply of uh, credit. FinTech is also to a large extent playing in the middle segment because it is tech-driven, digital-driven. So the third layer, which is also being worked upon, is a hybrid model for someone who is digital savvy, but also has an offline interaction. But to summarize your answer, first segment, of course, they are the king. Second, are they are going to be the king. So they are the prince. <laughs> and the third is, you know, the, the slumdog millionaire story. So <laughs> who will get lucky? Lovely, yeah. And I think we can maybe pick up on that. And, and dive into your own business now. Do you want to talk a bit about what PinCap do and how you've gone to find the data you need to issue SMEs the loans? So, Brandon, uh, we do SME loan, but we also do personal loan through uh, digital medium. But having said that, our majority business is more towards business. So let's take a SME who does not have a bureau report because he or she is new to credit. So what happens generally is that we try to see the footprint in terms of their payment on other channels. They don't have their own uh, credit data, but they will have a payment gateway to receive payment from customer. Now in India, there are uh, physical swipe machines and also uh, there are collection agencies who can go and collect on behalf of the client. Once consumer has paid, that data gets digitized. So that is one. Second is now many of the government portals has a tax payment uh, scheme. So there also we can get a digital footprint. Third is similar in this direction is the utility bill payment. So there are multiple points where we can consider and then we see how much collection happens. So for example, we don't know the paying capacity, but we have a sense of their uh, average balance. And when they collect the cash through this uh, point of sale, that data we capture and based on that data, we start providing them immediate loans. So for example, we'll have a prediction in terms of how the flow will look like and then seven day or a month advance. And then we collect 10% every day, something like a very flexible model that we can create. At personal level, there is a lot of regulation on privacy data, etc. So we have to treat very carefully, but generally the way it happens is the app gets installed on the individual phone. Now, the way we operate is generally we find a fintech partner who specializes in certain kind of product. So let's say someone and a very good team. Now they came out with an idea that if someone is salaried and uh, he needs a payment. So if I can have a tie up with the corporate based on their uh, salary level, I can pay salary advance. 
So there they will have a data of their salary payment through corporate and they will have their spending pattern of the consumer through their mobile phone so that they would only read debit credit messages so that they know whether their spending is more than their earning. But now there are more restrictions to those uh, accessibility, even on SMS. They also had a handle of mapping. So, for example, earlier when we used to give slightly large amount, we would send our person for physical verification because it is very prone to fraud here. So that now indirectly gets checked through GPS. So if he or she says, this is my office address, and if he or she is not going every day, now it is a different norm work from home. But earlier days pre-COVID, we used to we used to check that whether someone is going to office or not. Again, certain aspect on privacy, so that needs to be addressed. As an NVFC, we generally take full responsibility of credit assessment, and any of our partners don't breach the guidelines given by the regulators. So those two aspects. For example, this fintech that I talked about, that app is not developed by us. Currently, we are working with more than four or five such partners. So it is like a screening. If you like the founders, if you like their solution, that's an NBFC, we enable them to be compliant and also provide them lending fund. So that's how we operate. If we take the consumer point of view, maybe, and we talk about before and after, what does it look like? today to open up a loan with with PINCAP compared to how you might have had to open a loan just 10 years ago? So Brandon, I think 10 years back, I would not have even considered entering this space. So it would have been a very different model. Similar to e-commerce, I would have never have entered into fashion if the supply chain was not made easier for me. So the art of this digital is that you can become a national brand. You can reach out to all the consumers if you have created the systems and the process in the right way. So now uh, even RBI enables this digital uh, lending under certain guidelines so that it is accessible. So for example, in India, the requirement of the loan that I was talking about, which falls under third category or cluster, was always there. And the way it was solved was through group lending system. So 10 women or 10 men would come together and then. Because if my person goes offline and I have to set up an office, a 10,000 rupees, roughly it's a 150 US dollar loan will not make sense because my cost of distribution will be too high. So it is not possible. So 10 of you come together, at least you will have $1,000, then I can afford as a business viability. Now, digital has just disrupted that. I don't need 10 people. Even if you are alone and I have a way to measure your credit worthiness and your ability and intent to pay, I can give you loan. And we are able to scale very, very significantly, Brendan. Uh, we can scale very fast. We have been conservative and careful. But with the right partners, we are able. We will be able to scale very, very, very fast. And I'll, I'll just take a different uh, lens to look at the same problem. So the way uh, we had uh, illiteracy long time back, people were not able to read and write. That's not a problem anymore. Uh, it has been solved, but it is a credit and finance education. So let's say they're earning 15,000 rupees, which is a decent amount in India, but they don't have any credit footprint where they will be able to take loan. They were not taught. They were not allowed to enter those schemes. This system will help them 
follow their aspiration. For example, multiple innovations are happening which is helping the ecosystem. I'll just take a simple example. In India, there is a huge development on e-commerce, food delivery, etc. So, million of uh, youth have got employment as a delivery person. Now, delivery person in India can have a two-wheeler. Now, two-wheeler costs roughly 400 US dollars where he can work. And a bicycle will cost him $100. Not even that, $50 maybe. So, now that person based on the family background he is coming from cannot afford but as soon as he affords, he gets a job which is continuously paying a decent amount. So, one ecosystem on supply chain is developing on creating employment and second is to provide him capital to, so that he becomes a micro-entrepreneur. And I think within 10-15 years, the way illiteracy problem was solved, the financial worthiness, credit worthiness problem will also be solved by many such fintech companies. Many of those fintech companies will give us enough data points to showcase once he takes money of certain size, he, he can repay in that month. That is a good enough data point for us to assess how much loan can be given to. Yeah, and I think I met this speaks back to, to your introduction where you'll often see negative headlines, particularly by things like buy now, pay later, and it's causing too much consumerism. But actually, this is, is really investment lending to build up individuals, to build up very small businesses, things that are going to power growth used to be, as you said, prevent mechanics excluded people, whereas now we have digital tools that can make the loans if we think about it clever, if we take a few risks, if we build the business models. And now you're doing that, you're giving people the ability, yeah, instead of working maybe 10 years, saving a little bit until you can buy a two-wheeler, buy it up front, get that growth going sooner, likewise in a business. And um, I mean, you've done quite a lot of speaking in that entrepreneur space. What does this mean for these sorts of micro-entrepreneurs, these, these small business owners? Yeah, so Brandon, that's a, a bit different activity, more like a driving a passion, getting into more like a leadership coaching, happiness coaching, and basically what we all believe that, you know, we should live our life rather than passing another. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So there are ways uh, how we can define that, uh, how you change your mindset from so-called the negativity attracting personality to a positivity attracting personality. I would say I've been lucky from last, I think, seven, eight years, being to more than 200 corporates, colleges, guest lectures, sessions, motivational speeches, and all this stuff. What I think the best part, especially in a country like India, you see more than 50% population belongs to less than 24 years of age. 
And uh, that is what I think the best thing from each perspective any country can have. At the same time, a lot of new things just come, come up in last one or two decades, and especially the technology, internet on our hand. I think uh, there is a, a lot of zeal, a lot of passion, especially in the youth. But at the same time, I've seen globally, this is a problem that people are becoming more tech savvy, more virtual rather than physical, having a real conversation rather than the virtual conversation. So on the, on the entrepreneurship uh, model, basically what we try to build up more as a part, like it's not about uh, looking at the business viability or the business case and trying to get into an idea or conceptualizing an idea and getting into the execution of that. I think it's it's much more than that. And that much more than that is that the mindset. One has to be mentally very, very strong in terms of uh, understanding, especially when we see the small and medium enterprises, people who are not generating a lot of revenue or the scale is not becoming that big. But at the same time, there is a lot of fluctuation and a lot of variations which are happening from a customer side to the ordering, to execution, to payment problems, to the suppliers, they need to build up their mindset that, uh, you know, we need to stand strong that, okay, you know, ups and downs are the part of the life and they should believe that. People think that controlling is leadership, which is not. People thought that management is leadership, which is not. It's a completely different ball game what people need to learn from a leadership perspective. So getting into the business side of the, these SMEs, I think uh, apart from all other problems, what we try to solve, this is one of the key areas that we need to address to the people in terms of making them grow individually and at the end of the day grow as a country. Well, speaking of growing as a country, it's probably worth talking a little bit about scale. My exposure to the Indian credit economy was on the formal side, bigger, medium, more formal banks. And even in that space, sort of dull part of the economy 20% year-over-year growth in credit balances is the norm. So what are we talking about in terms of scope when we look at the market? Uh, how fast are you seeing growth? You know, not necessarily just pin cap, you may not want to share, but this sort of market, how big and how fast is it growing? So Brandon, we have been into spaces which uh, is very, very accelerated in growth. So once you have been in a flight or in a car which has run at a certain speed, you won't enjoy your ride if it is at a lower speed. So, so Brandon, I'll just try to summarize uh, an Indian uh, market system because most of our, your, your audience will not be from here. So Indian uh, fintech is divided in terms of regulatory environment into two parts. One is the technology, app, and onboarding, etc. That is fairly unregulated. The only aspect that they have to regulate is the data privacy. The second aspect is anything financial in nature. It can be borrowing, it can be disbursal, it can be trading. So all these are regulated by certain regulatory agency. So for example, lending, borrowing, etc. is regulated by RBI. So any fintech that wants to enter our country has to think of those two aspects. Where we play a role is we have both. We have a NBFC license, so we can provide that arm. And second is the guidance part, technology and the knowledge, know-how, which the team brings, that we cannot bring. 
but it can be plug and play so even if they don't have all the resources to enter a country but if they think they have a solution which will fit and we have a huge market market size is uh, other than china i think we are there <laughs> with this background i would say fintech also has a, a very very huge potential of growth and uh, i'll have to break again uh, in terms of two parts one is uh, the conventional bank now some of the large banks very huge sized banks in india keeps growing at the rate that you have already mentioned 20 25% so that's one part where conventional businesses where they are not trying to innovate or use alternative methods to grow they are growing at that level if they can grow at that level uh, fintechs have no base they have the potential to grow at even 100% to 100% is very easy and you will see lot of such startups with those kind of numbers so this is a space which is which has a huge play for example i will take two cases one was in india 17 years back there was a scheme of loan based on gold as collateral so that was not taken by conventional banks initially and then they just kept growing like 300% a year then banks also started entering so what will happen in our space will grow very fast once we we become large enough then banks will try to enter and eat the pie of that created market gold was first example second example was white goods loan so for example if you go to a mall or a big shopping complex you are buying a refrigerator washing machine or a television whatever you are buying which is slightly expensive that was again started by an nbfc similar to what we are and they are again very highly valued companies i am not naming them but those are in public domain so you will find that those businesses if executed well has a potential to grow not in terms of percentage but in terms of multiple so what we can do today we can just triple next year and that we can do our constraints will be on capital so you will see a lot of 100 500 million funding in fintech space in india so those are generally in the payment gateway space in the lending space also it has happened but numbers are less if you see last one and half year there has been significant investment because debt will not be given by the conventional banks because we are doing what not being done by them so lending is not available and equity is not that easy though things are changing very positively so growth is hindered by the availability of capital rather than the potential and possibility so the overall even during covid times and even today we always have to say no to our clients rather than uh, we don't have clients or we can't grow sitting here looking at the future what are the main trends that you've got your eye on So let me take the first cut and then Amit can add. So one two years, uh, Brendan, I think what we have done, we will refine and we'll further scale it up. And uh, we will also look forward to Indian entrepreneurs and foreign founders who would like to explore and experiment here. Having said that, if I take a slightly longer horizon, let's say three to five years, I also see a lot of uh, possibilities how this blockchain technology. will merge in terms of lending so if you see the challenge was in terms of volatility and stability of that currency but it seems that it is there to stay so if it is there to stay then the ecosystem the full financial ecosystem will also evolve in that direction and lending can also happen in that currency 
So I think that we'll have to have an eye on and what is the possible entry point for us. We are not doing it because regulation uncertainty is too high for us. So, but that also I see is a, as a future possibility. A company with a cryptocurrency can provide loan anywhere in the world because that is tradable. Thanks, Praveen. And, and Amit, just to, to close up, what are you looking at the next year? Okay, well, let's say the next five years. I think a lot of things are changing. Uh, if I see from a, you know five years down the line, a short-term or a middle-term perspective, I think there is a huge opportunity which is going to be there from a, a lending perspective because everybody who's seen post-COVID, uh, the last two years has been like ups and downs for the companies as well as for the, for the people also. People need to come back spending their money rather than saving their money. And uh, so I see there is a huge opportunity you know, in the next five years. Great. Well, thank you very much. It's been really interesting. Uh, thanks for yeah, both of you for joining me. And thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the content, please do remember to subscribe. It really helps the show a lot and share it with your friends and colleagues. This has been How to Lend Money to Strangers, a podcast about lending strategies around the world and across the credit life cycle. I'll be back with a new episode next Thursday. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.